Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I am really excited once again for today's episode as we're going to be visiting with Kim Sabria of Edpuzzle. He is the co-founder and CEO of one of my favorite tech tools, and so I am just ecstatic for the opportunity to learn a little bit more about, honestly, the backstory behind Edpuzzle. Uh, and then we'll even get into a little bit about um, where the company is going moving forward, how we might leverage that in a remote hybrid setting. Uh, and so we're going to cover a lot of ground here today. But uh, I want to, first of all, just welcome you, Kim, to our pod. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh We'll kind of maybe just start as we tend to typically do with with your backstory. Uh, Kim, kind of set the stage for us, maybe from your own experience as a classroom practitioner, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we can just maybe build from there. Yeah. As you were saying, like, I'm a former math teacher uh, from Barcelona, where I got the charming accent. I was working in a very small school with students from a, a little bit over the world, and I had a lot of absenteeism as well in my class. So I had a lot of diversity a lot of absenteeism. And as any other class in, in the world, I had different levels or different speed levels uh, in terms of learning. So in that environment, I, I remember talking to my grandma. I was complaining about all the difficulties that I had in my class. And she told me that if I wanted different results, that I had to try different things. So at that specific moment is when I watched a TED talk from Sal Khan on the use of videos in, in the classroom and how he was healthy, helping his nephews, I believe, on math problems using videos. And that's when I decided to do the same for my students. So I was trying to use video as a visual tool uh, that didn't have barriers in terms of language because the students could listen the video multiple times. It was visual. I didn't have problems as well with my absent students because they could access the video anywhere at home, in the classroom, um, anytime, as many times as they need it. And the videos never expired or got tired. So as a teacher, (laughs) many Fridays, I was extremely exhausted (laughs) from the whole week. But the videos were always there for me to explain the same lesson the same way, consistent um, and to the point. So that's why I enjoyed using videos so much. However, I created like 300 videos. Um, they were not perfect at all. They were, <laughs> uh, you can hear my dog uh, barking in some of the videos and that was fine. Um, but to be honest, the only way for me to hold my students accountable was if they asked me um, at the beginning of the class if I had a dog at home. Um, so if they watched the video, they knew that I had a dog because my dog would bark in, in some of my videos. And that's, that was, to be honest, the only way for me to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm going to ask you this real quick, too, not to, to break your train of thought too much, but what, what year are we talking about here with this? I mean, this had to have been what, like early was, 2010s? This was 2011 when I started experimenting with videos. And I want yeah. to say like 2012 was when I was lucky enough to present what I was doing to my friends. Mm-hmm. This was a, an informal 
dinner with your friends uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, I was just sharing like the crazy stories of my kids um, in the <laughs> classroom. And I was telling them like, look, I'm, I'm trying this thing. And they were very interested, three amazing engineers. And they said, well, actually, why don't we help you? Uh, why don't we help you build like a website or something like that where you can put your videos and then you can track your students. So we did that. Edpuzzle started as, a, as just as a, a project for my class. It didn't even have a name. And it was a simple website where my students would go in, they would watch the video and I would hold them accountable. That's it. And so I started to, to realize how lucky I was to have friends that are amazing engineers how many teachers have that? <laughs> right. So I said, like, I have to share these with other teachers. So that's when I started interviewing other teachers, asking them, like, if they were using videos, how they were using them, if they were having the same problems I was experienced with accountability. Mm -hmm. and, and soon enough, uh, we started to add the different layers to that puzzle uh, that we have today. Well, and that's funny you said because that, Kim, that's actually how the two of us met. You sent a handwritten note, and I appreciate it so much to my house because uh, I was presenting an ISTE session on video production, uh, and we got a chance to speak afterwards. And I just really thought that that was very uh, thoughtful and proactive of you as a, a CEO of this tool that I was and still am a big fan of uh, to be so interested in just trying to be continually updating and responsive to the needs of the uh, users, those classroom teachers that, were, that are trying to build those accountability measures. And, and maybe before we get into the story too much with this too, I, I would ask for those that maybe are not familiar with Edpuzzle and it's, um, and I know that there's a myriad of things that it has grown to be able to do, um, mm -hmm. but kind of at its core, when you're talking about that video accountability piece, what does that look like at, from a teacher's end in terms of implementation? It's simple. Like we, we are not trying to make like a overcomplicated video platform kind of iMovie or Photoshop or anything like that that you need like a few years of training to learn how to use. It's very simple. You grab a video from YouTube or you upload your own videos and then you can embed questions, formative assessment during the video so that you stop at a specific moment where you want to ask the student something specific about the video. And when you do this, the video turns from a passive experience to an interactive experience. So the students would watch the video at their own pace, the video will pause, and they have to respond to that question before moving forward. And that's really the power of Edpuzzle. You, you build like this self-paced experience for any student in your class while holding them accountable. So the analytics in Edpuzzle, we call them insights because they really tell you where every single student is at every specific moment. And that's a power that we didn't have before as teachers. Before, either you know where they are through the tests that you pass them or in class, basically. But th there is no other way to do that. Now you can assign a video to watch at home, in the classroom, wherever it is. They can learn at their own pace, watching the video as many times as they need, respond to the questions when they feel comfortable, and you gather all that information to then help every single student in whichever way they need. Yeah, and I think anyone who's ever delivered instruction in a flipped model where students have taken that instruction home, like you said, knows that 
Uh, you can't always count uh, on everybody to come back and, and watch that content. And mm -hmm. it's important to know what they got through or how much. Maybe they'll say, yeah, I watched it, but they really only mean the first minute <laughs> or a minute and a half. And what are uh, some of the other insights? Uh, I mean, from the teacher's end, you know, let's say that uh, I share this video out through Edpuzzle. I've built in a couple multiple choice questions. Uh, you also have the option to, to put a note in there or short answer uh, is another terrific piece. So what, what do I see then? Let's say it's an hour before class starts the next day. I'm going to check out what insights I can see. How does that inform maybe um, that, that classroom teacher? It's funny that you, you point out to that because the way we build it, we interview the teacher, Eric. He's a science teacher in Palo Alto, California. And we visited his classroom every Friday for a month to chat with him to understand how he was using videos and what kind of data he wanted to see. And he said, the first thing I want to know is, did my classroom complete the assignment? And that's the first data you see in Edpuzzle. So you have total amount of students, how many of them have completed the task? Because he said, maybe 100% of them already completed it. And that's all the information I need. I don't need anything else. Um, so that, that's the first piece of information we give. Then if you click on that assignment, because maybe 60% of your students didn't complete the assignment, what do you want to know as a teacher? Who didn't do the homework? Right. So that's the first thing we show you. You can clearly see which students didn't complete the task so that maybe you push them to watch the task in the classroom or you can send a reminder or something like that. And then the next question we asked Eric was, okay, now let's say some students are struggling. Who do you want to see first? The students that are struggling or the students that are doing great? So the first thing you want to see are the students that are struggling. So that's the first thing you see, who is struggling with the video. And it's color coded, so you can you cannot miss it. You have mm -hmm. the students that didn't watch it, the students that are struggling, and then the students that are doing okay. And then we ask, okay, now if you want to have a conversation with one of your students, what do you want to see? And he said, well, I want to see where the student is struggling through the video. So, and that's exactly the information we are showing. You click on a student, you can see how many times the student watched each section of the video, which are the questions they responded correctly and incorrectly, how much time they spent watching the video, how many responses were correct in general, and, and this is the kind of data and the thought process that went behind it. So we are helping the teacher spend maybe five seconds to make a decision. Okay, my students watch the video, I'm ready to go. Or you want to know like, okay, who's struggling? And maybe I'm gonna work with that, that group of students separately. And if you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a student, what kind of information you want to have? And that's, this is the approach we took. We, we listen to teachers, and we build something they love and use every single day. Yeah, and as you were sharing that, I, I hadn't really thought to maybe go here, but those same types of experiences are happening during live direct instruction all the time. You have some students who are spaced out and not necessarily tuning into you know, the details, even though they're physically there, they might not be grasping it. And others are maybe picking up half or, or a third uh, of what you're sharing. And so while... Uh, I would always sort of advocate that, that it's good to mix direct instruction with video pieces when and where it makes sense. 
But what's terrific about Edpuzzle is that it really gives you accurate feedback if you are delivering that instruction. And I know we're sort of maybe tiptoeing up to talking about this remotely here, <laughs> but um, but I just it's so informative and it helps you to personalize and differentiate. Uh, and that's what I just really think is tremendous about this as a as a tool. Uh, and it's terrific to hear how much you also have thought through that teacher end and getting feedback and what presents itself first so that it can be a, something that's accessed pretty quickly. Uh, talk about the evolution of Edpuzzle. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a few years ago, you were like, I really hope that we get to work with Google. And then I talked to you a little bit after that and you're like, we just got a chance to collaborate with Google. <laughs> and I've seen uh, more even recently now that, has there been some updates uh, where you're able to actually pull from Drive and to kind of embed some of this into Classroom? Because we have a lot of Google users. So what does that look like? Yeah, and actually we're in conversations with Google on new things that are coming. Hopefully we're pushing them uh, at the beginning of the next school year, uh, but we're going to be working all year with them. So we have an amazing integration with Google Classroom that the idea is to keep improving it. We have as well an integration with Google Drive. We also launched an integration with Screencastify and Explain Everything so that teachers can bring recorded videos from other platforms to Edpuzzle. And basically, we, we have been working a lot on improving the platform to support millions and millions of students so that they have an amazing experience with the product. The integration, for example, with Google Classroom, we improved it in terms of synchronization of grades, making it easy for the teacher to bring all the classrooms at once so that that connection is as smooth as possible and that the learning experience for the student, it's almost seamless. Like they, they don't even realize they're switching from one platform to the other. And that, that's what really makes a difference. And what teachers love is that when they think about using a YouTube video or their own video, they know that it's much better to do it through Edpuzzle because they have all the accountability. Right, and to, like you said, to have it so seamless is it's just really important. Continuing that conversation in terms of how much Edpuzzle has grown, uh, I know that you uh, mentioned before we started even recording today a little bit about maybe this vision of how do you start to amass a warehouse potentially of of video and maybe move into almost that Netflix of education (laughs) role. Uh, Where are you guys at with that work? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. One is that we, as you are saying, like we have so many teachers using Edpuzzle in the US and internationally, that one of the things we have launched this summer is the possibility to connect schools in your district to share content. So if you are a math teacher in high school, you can see what other math teachers in high school are creating in Edpuzzle in in the same district. And the same for elementary teachers, middle school teachers, any grade level, any subject area. And that, especially now during the pandemic, has been extremely helpful because it accelerates so much the creation and collaboration between teachers. Um, And at at the same time, you make sure that the content is excellent across the schools. So if you have an amazing chemistry teacher, you can make sure that the other chemistry teachers that maybe have less tech savvy, they can reuse that content to, to deliver it to their students. And, and that's something that we, we are very proud of, is this idea that we are a community of teachers curating the best educational content online. 
and for other teachers to reuse that content. And then when it comes to the Netflix of education is that we have seen there are certain holes in terms of video content. That's why many teachers decide to create their own videos. And we want to help teachers find excellent educational videos in Edpuzzle as well. So the idea is to fill those gaps with our, our own video content. And that's why I was connecting with Netflix because they, every single week there is a new TV show that you had no idea you would fall in love with. And that's the same approach we want to take. Analyze what are teachers using, what is the best content, what is working, what is not working. And then through the data provide like very good video lessons for teachers to reuse. Yeah, and I could see that even being really helpful from a professional development sense, because even after maybe 15 years of teaching theme, <laughs> getting a chance to watch a video or see how someone else teaches it, whether it's within my own district or uh, outside of that would be really, I think, informative. And on some levels, those types of experiences are reassuring because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but also can kind of stretch your thinking a little bit. And that uh, collaboration piece, too, to get back to it that you brought up regarding the pandemic learning, where we're talking remote, we're talking hybrid, high flex, concurrent. There's all these terms that are out there right now. Uh, I've had a chance to work with some teachers and I do traditionally point them to Edpuzzle um, for all the things that you're talking about. And uh, you mentioned this thought uh, within districts of us sharing resources. Uh, and I've seen, yes, individual teachers kind of create those and share it with their team. But I've also started to see teams of teachers come together more so than they ever have before to create video content. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've, with all of those, sort of encouraged them at least to try to have a little like picture or a couple pictures at the start that, uh, let's say there's eight teachers on a team. Uh, if they're each taking a different piece of content from a unit, that little picture at the beginning shows that it's our video that we created, that it's from, you know, it, it's associated with our school, or it's even the logo. I've seen some, some teachers start to put their mascot or something down in the <laughs> corner. Uh, and uh, I'm excited by the thought that more educators are seeking to do those things. And, and as they do that using uh, Edpuzzle uh, in a remote setting, give us some tips, I guess, is where we'll transition here is to say, what, what are you kind of thinking or seeing uh, in the ways it's been leveraged to help meet the needs of the present moment? Yeah, you, you describe one of the best practices we recommend, like don't do this alone. <laughs> exactly. And so first thing, there, there's already a ton of video content that you can reuse. So even if before creating your own videos and you want to test Edpuzzle, just copy a couple of videos, even if they're not perfect, just to see how the students are going to react. But oh, then I was going to yeah. interrupt there. One of the things I love about Edpuzzle, we haven't brought this up yet. Even if you don't, you just said, even if you don't like all of it, I love the voiceover feature where you can go in and sort of um, drown out whatever is like in there and then speak over that so that you don't because everyone's seen those videos where like i love 75 percent of this but this little part is not how i would teach it sorry i had to interject that because i love that feature <laughs> back to it kim exactly but the, the the thing that you can trim the video as well you can take only a piece that you yeah. want to use so so really i i would recommend if if it's the first time you're playing with videos and see how the students react to it i would just copy like couple of videos available. But then if the school and the district and your department is ready to go all in, I would not do this alone. As you are saying, like 
work with your department, decide who's doing unit one, who's doing unit two, three, and four. And in a couple of weeks, you can have enough content to cover half of the year. And then in the next break, you can repeat again and finish the whole year. It's very easy set, <laughs> but then it's a little bit harder to be done. Again, videos, the second advice is that videos should not be perfect and that's okay. Students really appreciate when teachers put the effort to create their own videos and that's all that matters, that students are engaged with the content that they appreciate what you are delivering and that they're understanding the lesson. So in terms of advice on how to use the videos, first, I would recommend having maybe one question every minute or every two minutes of the video. Do not embed like an, a question every 10 seconds because that completely destroys the video. So even if you want to stop the and have multiple questions, embed all those questions at a specific moment in the video. So I would have like maybe two or three spots where you stop the video to ask questions to the students. I recommend to having a healthy mix of multiple choice and open-ended questions. Open-ended questions like, do you have any questions pending? Or uh, what do you think is going to happen here? These kind of open-ended questions give very good information to the teacher. So if you assign this video, and you ask the students if, if there is anything that they are confused about the video that they don't clearly understand, or even give, asking them to give like a three sentences summary on the video so that you can read all those responses and see where the students are struggling. If they completely understood the lesson or not, um, if they have any questions pending and focus your time with them on those questions. So having this mix of open-ended and multiple choice questions, another advice we usually give. Then finally, it's, okay, now that I have the video, where does it fit in my instruction? So we recommend assigning the video either before or after the class. There are some teachers that do it during the class, which is 100% okay. It's like rotation station approach okay. where you have certain students watching the video almost like a co-teacher in your class and then you have like a smaller group of students where you can focus more time on them ideal for special educators they love it puzzle because students finally can have certain autonomy having the headphones on watching a video a couple of times responding to a few questions and you can spend more time with a smaller group of students but as I, I was saying, like assigning it before or after the class, I think it's ideal. If we do it before the class, it's more powerful than after the class. After the class is almost like a, like a reinforcement to the instruction that you have given in the class. Well, if you do it before, it's almost like a discovery for the students. You can engage them with a, an interesting video or maybe explain like the very basics of the content you are gonna explain in class, let them discover the new unit or the new topic that you're gonna cover or start a conversation, a discussion, something interesting in the video. Then ask a few questions that will drive the time you're gonna have with them. And that can be through a Zoom call, it can be in person, it can be however you want. But you already gave the students, every single student in the class, the opportunity to learn the basics at their own speed so that you know that at least the basics are covered and now you can 
take every single student to the next level. You can address misunderstandings. You can focus on pushing them to understand a little bit deeper the concepts. And, and that's why I think Edpuzzle can become really powerful. It's, it's a matter of using the time that you have with your students more effectively. So you're building stronger relationships with them. You're focusing on specific problems they are having. You're pushing them to think deeper and making mistakes. But those mistakes are done with you, not at home doing homework um, that they don't know how to solve. And if they don't have a tutor, maybe they're going to give up. They're doing it with you and the adult that can help them yeah, address those misunderstandings. Oh, I couldn't agree more, too, in that it's so important that they see you and, and that you are, I continue to advocate for this, but that they're, particularly in the remote setting, that you're still a learning leader in that space. Uh, mm -hmm. The phrase I get back to all the time is I want to make sure that this is a, not a landing page, but a learning home. And, and for that to exist, you need to be there. And mm -hmm. that can be something that you can be present in that space through video. Uh, and I felt like in the midst of our explanation here too, it was great that you're sort of bouncing back and forth between that remote and in-person because I have had educators say to me as I've promoted video, the, the use of video for this moment in time, and they'd say, well, why am I going to spend all the time it takes to create these pieces so that when we go back to teaching in person, I won't need them anymore. And wow, could that not be further from the truth from my own experience, I feel like at least as a classroom practitioner. And, and so Kim, do you want to speak to a mo uh, for a moment to that idea of, yeah. Um, yeah, this is not something that's just for pandemic learning. No, no. And, and I understand that vision because it's tough. I'm not going to say the pandemic is a fun time to teach. It's difficult. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so it's painful for many teachers, the current experience change. It's not easy for anyone. And we always say that we're helping teachers survive the, the current situation, but as well to thrive. And what I would say to teachers that think that way, and obviously there is a lot of people that will still think that way when we go back to traditional teaching. But what I say is, do you know 90% of your kids go to YouTube when they don't understand something? Because if you, do not, if you do not know that, if you don't know that new generations, they don't go to the library or they don't go to their parents when they don't know something, they go to YouTube to find somebody to explain it in three minutes. If you don't understand that, then I, I have no power. Like you will obviously not see value in using videos in your class. But if you understand that videos is the way students learn today, all this effort that you have put into creating your own video lessons is going to pay off for many, many years to come because students are going to absorb the information better. You're going to connect better with your students. You're going to be a happier teacher because you're going to see progress in your kids. You're going to spend less time grading. You're going to have spend less time lecturing in front of the class when you're tired, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you are sick, and the substitute teacher has to go in. Instead of wasting a day of class, you can give them an puzzle lesson that you already have there for the students to use. So it's just like a transition. It has been an unfortunate situation, but it's a transition towards the 21st century. <laughs> that's, that's what I tell everyone. Like, I know it's painful, but all these videos are going to pay off. Because that's, that's the way students learn today. 
Huh. Absolutely. It's so funny you bring that up because that happened this morning for me. My daughter and I were finishing up some of her math homework. Uh, the math is different in the way that I learned it. And so that's the first thing we did. We got on YouTube, watched a video, solved everything we needed and we moved forward. And she's learning that at nine. Uh, mm -hmm. she, she had that inclination. It's not like I had to suggest we go to YouTube. She's like, well, let's just go to YouTube. I'm like, yeah, why are we not just going to go to YouTube? And I, I, and have, a, I have a garden and I, I like taking care of my plants. Where do I go to YouTube? Like th there are YouTubers that tell you absolutely everything, how to tie a tie, how to <laughs> prepare uh, an amazing breakfast or recipe, how to play the guitar, how to do math, how to do science, how to do anything anything mm -hmm. literally um so that's that's why we try to give something to teachers that puzzle is a platform for teachers so that they can transform all this amazing content that is available or if you create your own videos as well and turn them into a learning experience for your kids and a learning tool for your class yeah and i think it, it also too teaches students to be active listeners in the midst of viewing video content. I, mm -hmm. I would work with second graders, for example, and, I, and there would be about half the class that could watch a video 30 seconds and learn from it, and others would watch it, and their hand would go up, and I'd come over there, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, well, the video just told you what you what you need to do. Did you, but they're so used to being passive that you had to explain to them, well, no, a video is something, if you don't understand, you can pause it, you can watch it a second time, yeah, mm -hmm. you really need to be tuned into the details and, and something like Ed Puzzle gets you in the habit of stopping it, of making sure that you are keying in for information because you're going to be asked that at some point, either in the midst of this video or shortly thereafter. Uh, and so I, I like the uh, what it does to bring about that sense of active awareness of it as a learning experience while you're going through it. 100%. And that's actually something we tell teachers often is that watching a video for entertainment purposes where you sit down and you listen to a song, a Justin Bieber song or whatever it is, it's different from learning something from a video. So you probably need to sit in a quiet room. You have to focus, you have to pause, you have to take notes, you have to rewatch a certain section because it wasn't clear. And all these behaviors need to be taught to the students because these are the skills that you really need for the future to learn anything that you're interested in. Maybe it's not math, maybe it's not science, maybe it's gardening <laughs> or cooking, but in order to absorb that information from these videos, right now we're we're just expecting the students to have those skills and many of them do, but it's something that they need to develop even more so that in the future when when they jump into college or they jump into uh, a job position or whatever it is in life, if they want to keep learning down the line, those are the skills they're going to need. Absolutely. This is why I'm such a big Ed Puzzle fan. I'm not <laughs> just saying that because you're on your kid. I, I could not agree more with all of these things and the net, how necessary they are for education today. Our half hour always flies by on this podcast. And so we actually are, are near the close here. And so uh, Kim, if there's any Kind of last minute message that you would like to impart to teachers, uh, whether it be about Ed Puzzle or just kind of at the present moment. I know we've touched upon a lot over the course of our conversation today, but uh, yeah, what, what might you leave, leave us with? Yeah, I would, I would try to give a message of hope. Like these are difficult times and we obviously wish every one of us, including ourselves, that this moment never happened. 
However, it happened and it's happening now and it's going to happen for a while now. So I would take it as, a, uh, as an opportunity to try new things, to experiment, to play with videos, to make mistakes, to see how students react, to see how, what other teachers are doing and learn from it. Because at the end of the tunnel, if we have done all of us, our work and, and learn from this horrible situation, we, we can definitely be better. And again, as I said before, it's not going back to normal. We're going to, to survive this and we're gonna, going to thrive when we go back to normality. Yeah, that new normal. Uh, yeah. Well, Kim, thank you so much for all your time and effort, not only just on this podcast, but in uh, the development of Edpuzzle, a uh, tool that I just could not advocate for more. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew.